This is the Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN. Now, live inside the Matt Black Kia Studios, here's Mike Gill. All right, final hour of the show. We'll have a lot of fun. Hey, Ryan Leaf, if you missed him earlier, check out our YouTube channel and hear what he had to say about Carson Wentz and trying to win back the locker room. Leaf said, I was the number two pick. You don't just walk into a locker room. He learned the hard way. Good conversation with Ryan Leaf earlier. Joe Valerio was outstanding. He caught a touchdown from Joe Montana when he played with the Chiefs. Our next guest played with the Chiefs and the Bucks. He was a first-round pick in the NFL with the New York Jets. And we'll talk to him a little bit about this game, the NFL, what's happening here. Uh, Anthony Beck also spent some time with Nick Sirianni when he was with the Chiefs, so we'll get his take on the Eagles' new head coach. And uh, if you're watching on the video, of course, you can see uh, Ant on there. What What is he? Uh, what, what the hell? In Tampa, I cover the team. They paid me more salary than the Chiefs did, so there's a little lean there as well. But, uh, you know, look, I don't want to – you know, I'm having some fun with it. I wore this last year just because I wanted to jump on the bandwagon, and I did. So I just whipped it out, and, you know, of course, I got me a new fresh uh, <laughs> Bucks lid as well. How you guys doing? We're doing great, man. And I know uh, you played for both these teams, so we'll get good perspective uh, on that and the game. But you do do pre- and post-game with the Bucks. Now, we had you on way back in March when uh, Brady signed. It was March or whenever he ended up signing. And you said – that's a Super Bowl move, that that team was good enough to be a Super Bowl team, but adding Brady got them there. You watched them all year long. What did you see different from this year's team to last year's team? Was it simply Brady? Because some would say, well, he didn't play at a Brady level. No, there's a lot of things, obviously, that this team is better at than they were last year. Number one, they brought back the majority of the roster, in particular defense, right? So a lot of those guys played a ton of reps last year and uh, got better. The secondary was young. They continued to get confidence. They finished the season strong. And then heading into this year, it became a huge asset for them. I think everybody's starting to see now, in particular, the playoffs is the fact that, you know, this defensive line is pretty good at pass rushing. Vita Vey is a bit of a force inside now that he's back. I was a little shocked on how many snaps he actually got in the Packers game, but he truly was a difference pushing that pocket and allowing that one-on-one on the outside with Shaq Barrett and uh, JPP. So those things have been good. The offensive line has been uh, spectacular. I think they've been the best offensive line in the, in, in the league the last 10 games. Uh, Tristan Wirfs, the, uh, the rookie at right tackle, to me is an all-pro player in his first year. I think he was the best right tackle in football. Uh, Donovan Smith has played up to his $15 million contract. And then uh, Ali Marpet and Jensen are, you know, they're they're pretty high caliber elite players as well at their position. So think about this. You're Tom Brady. You come to this team. You got an awesome offensive line, a good defense. And now look at the weapons that he's had. I mean, we haven't gotten to that yet. I mean, you're talking about not only does he have weapons on the field, he's got weapons on the bench. You know, Scotty Miller comes in. They pick up Antonio Brown, uh, Cameron Brait steps up as an additional tight end. You know, these guys are doing a lot of things outside of just Mike Evans and Godwin, who are probably the two best receivers he's thrown to in the last eight years. So, uh, yeah, Tom Brady has led the charge. He's been the difference maker in the locker room and on the field as well. But, you know, there's a lot of pieces that came together. But if you don't have a good quarterback, guys, 
you know, we had a quarterback that threw for 5,000 yards and whatever, 40-some touchdowns last year, and they couldn't win. So this is the same team with a new quarterback, and uh, they've, they've been showing up week in and week out. Now, when Todd Bowles' name was mentioned for the Eagles' head coaching job, people weren't all that excited. But I'm sure the people in Tampa are excited that he's not leaving. What about that defense has changed this whole thing? Because I don't know that people looked at Tampa and said, wow, that's just a great defense. Like It's not like it was the Bucks defense with Sapp and, and Brooks in that crew. No, I, you know, they're just really young. There's just a lot to like about them. Uh, you know, they got probably the best linebacker duo collectively in the league. You know, Devin White's been spectacular. Levante David, you know, nobody wants to put him up there as one of the best linebackers in the league. But if you look at TFL, sacks, interceptions, and tackles, nobody comes close to him. Nobody in the league at the linebacker position with all those statistics combined. Uh, the secondary is young, but they've gotten better. They played together. Like I said, last year and the year before, they were growing. They drafted a lot of corners and safeties, and they got really good play by Antoine Winfield Jr., the, the rookie out of Minnesota, who's done a spectacular job as well. Now, he hadn't played the last two games, but expect him to be on the field as an added addition to this defense. Uh, so, you know, look, Ty Bowles is, is one of the best, if not the best defensive coordinator in the NFL. The head coaching situation in a big market for him in New York didn't quite work. He doesn't have really that personality to handle those markets. I didn't think Philadelphia was going to be an option. I, you know, I talked to Todd pre-pandemic in January, and he told me he wasn't taking another job, uh, head coaching job, unless it was perfect. And there are no perfect head coaching jobs. So, you know, listen, when he got fired with the Jets, there was a Jet waiting for him to come to Tampa and basically, you know, name what you want. And they did it for him. And that wasn't the only team that wanted him as, as well. So, I don't see him leaving. He's got kids that play ball down here in high school. So uh, he may be the head coach in waiting as well. B.A. did say he was going to retire if he won the Super Bowl. So if that happens, he may be the coach uh, next year. Wow. Yeah, it's like you read my mind. I was going to say, one of the most interesting storylines for this team is this Bruce Arians-Tom Brady relationship. How do you personally see those two and the way that they kind of work together or sometimes, I don't know, that seemed like they were going against each other uh, all season long? Yeah, you know, people listen. Ba is a, is is one of the best coaches to play for. Every player's got a lot of great things to say about him. But I mean, he's not, you know he's not afraid to drop an f bomb on you at practice and tell you you're you know you're you're a dumb player for, because you know you messed up or didn't do it right. He expects that. Now, I don't think anybody thought he'd do that to Tom Brady. But you know, look, Tom Brady's new to that system. He, he was grasping a whole new terminology. And, you know, it was up and down. I just didn't think the mesh were there, but it did take time. I mean, you know, Tom's wearing a wristband for a reason. You know, there's just a lot going on. I mean, it's his first time he's been in a new system. As you look at the last eight games, in particular the playoffs, they've really come together since the bye. Uh, they've started to cater the offense to that play action a little bit, a little bit more to what Tom does. You know, Bruce Arians' offense has always been good, but it's a little archaic. I mean, if you look at a guy like Andy Reid, it was a blessing for him to get – let go by Philly because he was able to re kind of invent himself and look what he's done with the offense with the Chiefs. He's built it around his players and it's one of the innovative offenses out there right now in the NFL. So, you know, the, the relationship is fine. Uh, I think it's gone well. I just think that just because they weren't clicking, a lot of people wanted to throw things out there. And, you know, to me, this, this was the best scenario for both guys. And now that looks like they're truly working together and they played really good football here the last five, six weeks of the season. Yeah, Anthony Beck's with us, uh, does uh, pre- and post-game for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, played for both the Bucs 
uh, and the Chiefs. And obviously, Brady, as you mentioned, changed a lot there. But how was it underrated was getting Fournette back? Because it seems that that has really added another layer to this offense, too. Yeah, I wasn't a big fan of the Fournette signing. To be quite honest, you pre-playoffs, I didn't really like the way he was playing. I mean, he wasn't hitting the holes hard. He was dropping balls. He wasn't pass protecting well. All of a sudden, Ronald Jones got hurt right before the playoffs, who I really like and who's really going to be a factor in this game as a, as a fill-in now because Fournette has played so much better in the playoffs. You know, he's run the ball hard. He's done a nice job catching it, the screen game. Now he's starting to be the guy that, you know, everyone maybe thought he would be early on in his career, and he's starting to bring a lot to the table. But when Ronald Jones comes in and mixes in now, a lot of bursts, a lot of explosion, a lot of speed. He is the better back. But right now the hot hand is Leonard Fournette. Uh, he's dealing with a quad, Rojo was. So, you know, with two weeks off and, and, and not doing really too much against the Packers, you know, that'll be a nice uh, kind of a one-two punch for, for Brady, who's going to need it. They're going to have to get 10, 12, 13 play drives in in this game just to keep the ball out of Mahomes' hands to be successful. Now, you obviously play tight end, coach tight end. So the tight end position in Tampa, how would you describe it? Because when they got Gronk and uh, Brate has had some kept touchdown catches, they had Howard, you know, the first-round pick. Yeah. But how do they utilize the tight end? I'm really interested to get your perspective on this, and we'll kind of tie it into uh, here locally in a little bit here. But I guess everybody thought Gronk was going to be this crazy – uh, connection with Brady hasn't quite worked out that way, but man, the way that they utilize him is underrated, but the way they use their tight ends in this offense. Well, you know, a, a key injury for them early in the season that kind of took them off kilter was OJ Howard because OJ Howard was the, 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 de facto, the guy that could run through the second and third levels of your defense and your safety had to honor him. And you start to see him become a factor in that Gronk play as well, where Gronk was, more of a, you know, he had to stay in on pass protection because, you know, look, OJ was a better athlete. He was doing better things for them. But then they started using him a little bit uh, right before he got hurt and things started to click. And then once he went down, he uh, Brady started to get back to Gronk heavy right in the middle of the season. Lately, he's done a lot of blocking. I mean, listen, they got a lot of fast, really shorthanded weapons at the receiver position. You know, people think when Scotty Miller comes on the field, he's just like a slot guy. He's the fastest receiver on the team. So, you know, he's got the ability to go outside. But I think Gronk's going to be a factor in this game. He doesn't have to stay in and pass protect and help out versus this Chiefs defense. I don't really see anybody on the edge that can give them problems. And I think Gronk's going to be a factor. I think you'll see him come come alive in the red zone. And, uh, you know, Cameron Brait's done a nice um, being mixed in as well. But, you know, Gronk's done a lot of the little things that help this team be successful. But I can almost uh, count on it that he'll he'll have a big play in this game somewhere, somehow. All right. Uh, so Anthony Beck played with the Tampa Bay Bucks for three seasons. Your final season, 2011, was with the Kansas City Chiefs. So your most recent team was the Chiefs. And obviously this team is kind of, uh, I don't know, man. They might be the next version of the Patriots. You might see Andy and Mahomes do this thing for a while. And that's what makes it so interesting. You got Brady going for seven and you've got Mahomes going for two, but at 25 years old, we might we were going to college together watching Brady do his thing. I can't believe he's still doing it, but Mahomes might be that version for this group of college kids. Well, you must have been on the Van Wilder college plan because I came out with Brady. So did you actually stay a couple more years and didn't graduate? <laughs> yeah, listen, I mean, he's he's been he's been phenomenal. I I mean 
you know, it's like, man, who bets against Brady? But then you see what Mahomes does. Like, what's the plan? Like, how do you beat him? Like, I really believe, like, you got to have, like, four sacks and two turnovers for the Bucks, and it starts there. Like, after that, you're not even guaranteed. Like, they have to bring him down in the pass rush. They have to be in third and long. And I'm not talking about third and seven. Like, that's normal long. Like, third and 15, third and 20. And even then, he'll get an opportunity to, to still convert. Um, you know, look, I think the one thing that Patrick Mahomes does that goes against him sometimes is the fact that he loves the big play. He loves to get that big play in the passing game. And, you know, with this pass rush and the guys inside and outside, if they can contain him and squeeze the pocket, they have a chance. You know, when the Raiders beat him, they were able to intercept him in the red zone and, and play really good man-to-man man -to -man defense. And Mahomes was off on some throws. You know, you can't count on him being off. You look at him in the last Super Bowl last year, he was off to start the game. He had one good quarter. Now, it was a monster quarter, but, you know, the 49ers had him under control. But that's the thing. Like, that's all it takes. Like, one good quarter, he could score 21 points. So it is going to be an all-day sucker, man. I'll tell you, you got to keep him off the field. You got to force turnovers. You got to sack him. And your offense better be on point because if, you're, if, you're, if you got a lead, you don't take your foot off the gas. And if you don't have a lead, then good luck. So uh, I think it's going to be a close game, a good matchup. They'll find ways to do it. I don't think Mahomes will be perfect in the game. He'll have his challenges. I don't think it'll be as easy as game one when they play with Tyreek Hill getting 200 yards receiving in the first quarter. But uh, they do have their challenges. And, uh, you know, listen, Brady will keep him in this game some way, somehow. Not going to happen throwing three picks, but he'll find a way. Hearing you talk about the tight end position for the Bucs, what about the Chiefs? What stands out to you the most about Travis Kelsey's game, which is outrageous, and the way Andy Reid uses him? Let me, let me interject real quick on that because someone said to me back, that Kelsey's only as good as he is because that offense allowed him so much free. Like, if Kelsey went to another team, he would still be the best, would he not? He would. I don't think his numbers would be as as good, but they'd still be good. I mean, listen, you're right. It's nice to have Tyreek Hill on the outside, right? That's always going to pull a safety. You're always going to be either matched up by a linebacker who he doesn't want anything to do with you, right? He's going to try to squeeze, hold, and do everything. And you're so quick and crafty as, as a tight end that he is. It's just a mismatch. Uh, the, the aspect of his game that's really good is when he catches the ball, he's gone. Like, you don't see him catch and then try to – like, he's, like, literally up the field getting as many yards as possible. Very rarely do you see him make a contested catch. There's always separation with him, and he's got unique athleticism for his size. And to be quite honest with you, he in, in the same token as Gronk, he's got the it factor. He doesn't, he doesn't, like, he doesn't care factor. Like, he'll go out there and nothing phases him. Like, no, he's not worried or scared about anybody, and he knows nobody can cover him. So he goes in there with this supreme confidence, and he dominates. Gronk did that in his career, and this is what Kelsey's doing now. So you get to see both uh, – I wouldn't say both at their best because Gronk, again, he's got he's being asked to do a lot more. But I'm telling you now, you put it near his body, he'll catch the football. He's one of the best contested tight end catchers that's ever played the game. So I've really been impressed. Kelsey continues to get better, too. There, there's been no downward step for him. Uh, and he'll continue to do that as long as those weapons and quarterback are intact. Uh, Anthony Beck's with us. And, uh, I, you know, the big story is the two injuries on the offensive line. And you were a guy who was uh, blocking tight end. And you can probably kind of talk about it when that line is not together. And when you've got to bring someone new in, that change. the Eagles saw it all year long and have to do it at this stage of the season. That could really be the factor, the big one in this game. 
Well, imagine if you're JPP or you're Shaq Barrett and you open up the uh, the scouting report and it says Mike Reimers, left tackle, 11 years in the league, nine different teams. I mean, what does that tell you? I, you know, he's he's a bit of a journeyman. He's not a great starter. I think you all saw what happened against uh, the, the Broncos when Carolina played. Uh, you know, it was a long day on the edge for him. And he's not any better than he was then. He's older, so he's got his hands full. Uh, on the other side, you got Andrew Wiley. I mean, you look at the, the scouting report for him, four years in the league, four different practice squads uh, until he came to the Chiefs. I mean, you know, there's no, not that these guys won't be able to live up to the moment, but these are like you're licking your chops. If your JPP is way too experienced, Shaq Barrett's at his prime and he's been playing lights out in the playoffs. It's a big problem. So what's Andy Reid do? Like, what's your counter? Like, you put Kelsey there, like you said, it's tight end, help block, chip. No, and that he didn't do that. He's like, go screw yourself, Reid. I'm not doing any of that. You may put it back there, but we all know that Andy loves to utilize the backs, right, in the passing game. And you can't really pull the guard out to help too much because you got B to Bay in the middle, who's going to you know push your center back about as good as anybody. So. Look for a lot of jet sweep and orbit motion behind the quarterback. They're going to hand it off early. That will hold the ends for a second. If you can just stop them for a second, maybe plus the fact that Mahomes can avoid some guys, that will help. But if you get the third down, there is no jet sweep. You don't have that action anymore. So that third, seven, and eight now, you, you can get into tee-off mode. So it's going to be it's going to be tough. You you got to find way. And look, Mahomes has to be off a couple times also in the game. But I think it's a huge disadvantage for the tackles right now versus the Bucks uh, pass rushers. All right, and um, tell us a little bit about Nick Sirianni. What you know about him? Because not a lot of people know about him. You do. I do. He's a much better speaker behind uh, closed doors than he is maybe in front of a mic and computers. So I won't I won't bash him for that. You know, look, Nick was brought into the league by Todd Haley when I was at the Kansas City. Was a quality control guy. Uh, then he worked up as an assistant uh, uh, quarterback coach. He's a guy that's been around a lot of good head coaches. Think about Todd Haley, Ken Wisenhunt, and then of course Frank Frank Reich. He's learned at a very quick pace. That's kind of the the mo right now for these newer younger players. They've been around quality coaches. And everybody wants what they're doing, right? Everybody wants that system, and they feel like they're the guys that can do that and channel that. Uh, I think it's important on his hires who he brings collectively and his coaches. I saw most of the hires. I know that his key, key guys, his coordinators, his special teams guys, younger guys similar to him that are still kind of, you know, setting their foundation. Uh, it's always key to have maybe an older, you know, a guy that's been around, maybe a former head coach, someone to help you in those moments. Uh, look, it's a big deal. Coaching in Philly, places like that, New York, you don't just come in. It's not the same as Indianapolis. You know, you're not going to have, you know, two uh, beat writers in the locker room. You're going to have a, a bunch and they're all going to want to ask the tough questions. So, you know, he's going to have to get used to that, um, you know, and he's going to have to get the quarterback situation figured out. I don't know what that plan is. You know, uh, if he was brought in the, as a buffer to figure this out, if they're rebuilding, if it works out for him, it's a bonus, then that's fine. But, you know, listen, you know, Frank Reich has some experience around Carson. Maybe there's some feel there that they feel like they can make some changes. You know, I don't know what the competition is going to be like. I mean, unless he gets traded or he's not on the roster come spring spring and summer camp, he's going to be the guy. So uh, I wish him luck. He's a great he's a great young coach. 
He's up and coming, but man, it's a tough place to start. So if he was expecting to be head coach, guys, I don't think one, he'd be at the beach and he wouldn't have a suit with him on, on, on traveling. So this was kind of a left field kind of hire for, for maybe. And, you know, the fact that, you know, he jumped on it and it made an impression, you know, maybe that says something, a little bit something about him and what he's going to bring to the table. So he's walking into a mess. If you are, first off, it's a mess of a team, but this quarterback situation, you've seen it, you know what's going on. I mean, the coach has been fired. The quarterback hasn't said a word. A new coach has been hired. The coach, the quarterback hasn't said a word. No one's heard from Carson Wentz since they played the Green Bay Packers in like November. Does that seem odd to you if a guy wants to be back here? I think they're playing their cards right. You know, uh, there's nothing to be said. I mean, you know, if I'm Carson Wentz and I got benched, you know, that would put a chip on my shoulder. I wouldn't be asking for trades. I'd be like, you know, I got to be better. But at the same token, and Howie Roseman, I got to give him credit. In the past, he's been really good with the draft and getting players to come to Philly and play. But, man, he's been bad. Just throwing darts in the dark right now, getting the best players to help uh, his quarterback succeed. You know, Justin Jefferson, he should be in an Eagles uniform. He's not. You went a different with Rieger. He's not a guy that's been out there. You know, when I watch Alshon Jeffrey out there running around, it doesn't look pretty. You know, you got a bunch of injury. You got an older offensive line. Yeah, I know Kelsey's a Pro Bowl guy, but he's on the he's on the, the top end of a decline. And then, of course, your tackle situation is getting older as well. So, you know, there's a lot of pieces that have to be fixed here. How he's going to have to work some magic because I don't see this being a one-year fix. I don't see a new coach uh, coming in and just fixing it. They got to they gotta correct some of the mistakes and it's going to start by revamping some of this roster. And it may not happen in year one. I don't think it may happen in year two. It, it may take some time to revamp some picks and get some guys to play at a level that could get them back to where they were a couple of years ago. All right. Uh, we will obviously be keeping our eye on all this Wentz stuff as uh, there's reports today that they're fielding calls. That cap hit, that dead money, we know that's a big problem. We just saw Goff get traded and the Rams eat the cap hit. So – who knows what's going to happen with this, but it doesn't seem that Wentz is all that enthusiastic about staying here. Uh, Anthony Beck, 12-year NFL tight end, Jets, Bucks, Rams, Cardinals, Chiefs, uh, Bucks pre- and post-game. If you're a Jet fan in the area, you see him on the Jets preseason games, but you're also doing stuff for Super Bowl 55. By the way, I didn't list all his jobs in that uh, soliloquy. Yeah, you don't have enough space over there No, uh, for all that stuff. Well, you listen, you're right. I'm, I'm, I'm helping pr promote a company that I really do love. Uh, the company's called Timeshare Compliance. I, I teamed up with them months ago because I had a timeshare that was just a big problem. I was paying a bunch of maintenance fees. I got into it when I was a, a young player in the league. You know, me and my wife went on vacation. I got sucked into something that I shouldn't have got. And I heard about the timeshare compliance on the radio. I was like, let me cold call these guys and see if they can help me. And it turned in from not only are they helping me, but we built a relationship. I didn't tell them who I was when I first called either. So I was trying to feel them out because I normally don't call call companies to help me. But there's a lot of misrepresentation and unethical sales uh, practices that are done with some of these timeshare companies. And a lot of these timeshare companies are really good. I mean, you, you think Disney, they got a great one. They're, they're, but there are ones that just treat people and, and lie through their teeth. And people get stuck with maintenance fees. They get stuck with not able to, to travel the week or the hotel resort they want to go to when they want to go to. So if that's you and you have that problem, go to timesharecompliance.com. They'll take care of you during this, during this Super Bowl time. We have a special number as well, 
760-9323. You know, I don't put my name behind a lot of companies. You know, I have a lot of integrity. This company and the owners of this company truly want to help folks get out of bad situations. And again, all, not all timeshares are equal. And that's why they want to help folks. So if you have those situations, you're, you're, you're being misrepresented by your timeshare company and they're not, you know, uh, giving you what they told you they were going to give you, go to timesharecompliance.com and they will definitely, uh, you know, at least hear your case. They get thousands every month, but they only take a handful because, you know, not all the cases are uh, applicable to, to really take it on. So, but the ones they do take on, they take full, full head, full, full head of steam and they take care of business. Good stuff. By the way, are you still doing the, I figure with the pandemic, no football camp, but uh, is that something you're still doing? Yeah. So last June, we didn't have it. Uh, the plan is this year to have it. We're, we're right now we're setting dates uh, for the Tampa Bay area and the Philly area as well. We need when we get a little closer to that, we'll jump back on. City High School on the beach to do one. Yeah. We're definitely going to still follow protocol when it comes down, but you're right. Yeah. We'll just, uh, I got to get the kids back out. You know, a lot of folks wanted me to do it last year, but it was just too risky. So uh, hopefully the vaccines and everything starts picking up steam. And by the summertime, we can have a little fun and and get the kids back outside doing some fun things. By the way, uh, the NFL draft, I know you'll be over there. Your son is going to be uh, going to college. I can't believe that. Yeah. Yeah. So he's a junior. He's a class of 2022. Jeez. Uh, um, yeah. He's a quarterback down here in Tampa. He's doing a really good job. You know, he's got several power five offers and, you know, I'm just here to support, help. He's, you know, he's a hard worker. He's earned everything he's got. And it's been fun to watch. You know, I, I went through the process. I have all the answers to the test, but you got to go for it. You got to do it on your own, right? So uh, he's doing a great job and proud to see him. We'll see what happens in a couple of years. You know, we'll be uh, jumping in an RV and and heading out to somebody's uh, parking lot, knocking a couple back, watching the, watch, watching the youngster play. Well, I think Neil Brown should make a call maybe, right? And then, uh, <laughs> boy. Uh, and your wife, Deanne, we all met in college together, uh, yeah. hanging out at Chicken Bones Rhythm Cafe. Yes, sir. Here we are, man. Good and your Van Wilder's seven-year graduation, apparently, right? Since uh, Well, that's, since, why, uh, that's why I don't have a son ready to go to college. <laughs> <laughs> that's great, man. It's great to be on, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we'll catch up with you soon. Anthony Beck, everybody, 12-year NFL tight end from the Jets, Bucks, Rams. By the way, before we run, who's winning? Oh, yeah, so – um, I got the Chiefs not only covering but uh, winning the game 34-28. I think it's going to be close. I really do. I think it's going to be a good game. I just – I know I'm going to get burned for betting against Brady, but let's be honest, guys. I mean, Mahomes is that – he's the next guy, right? He's the guy that just makes it happen, and he's fearless. They're both fearless, but I don't know. I just – it's it's hard to, to, to just – I haven't seen a blueprint yet to stop the Chiefs, so maybe, maybe the Bucks figure that out. I wouldn't be shocked if the Bucks win, but – I like the Chiefs by six. All right. That's Anthony Beck. Thanks, man. Yep. And he, like all guests, appeared via the Boardwalk Honda Hotline. We'll talk to Ant throughout the offseason and uh, get some more draft conversation going. He likes the Chiefs, and that means a lot come from him because he spent his career with the Bucks for the most part and still covers the Bucks. So he likes the Chiefs, 34-28. Yeah, I like how he put it in like, look, you've never seen a team really stop the Chiefs yet. So until I see that – I can't go against it. As much as you want to say, I can't bet against Brady, he's lost Dude, Super Bowl games. The story's going to be Mahomes. For sure. He's 25. He might win his second. It's crazy. And he ain't going away. Keith Smith's going to talk NBA with us coming up next. Don't go away. We'll ask him about this Eastern Conference that is all filled with new teams coming up. 
All right, we're back live on the Sports Bash 97.3 ESPN. We're going to talk a little NBA. You know, we had a good conversation on the NBA a little while back. Keith Pompey joined us to talk about that Sixer win last night against Charlotte. We'll take a little broad look at the league. We'll get Keith's take uh, on what's happening with the Sixers. But the Eastern Conference in general, because when I looked at the standings, we looked at the standings earlier. Atlanta, Charlotte, the Knicks are in play. Some new teams. Look at this Sonics uh, t-shirt. Keith Smith's rocking, though, by the way. All good. Uh, He always brings something good to the table on the video if you're watching us live on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, through our website, 973ESPN.com. Keith Smith covers the NBA, Yahoo Sports, Real GM. And, of course, we talked to him on Thursdays here to get a little NBA perspective as the Sixers are playing Portland tonight. Uh, Well, like a G League Portland team. Uh, A lot of guys out for Portland. But let's get Keith's perspective on the league right now here on the Boardwalk on the Hotline. What's going on, Keith? Hey, thanks for the Sonic shout out. Yeah, this was a this was a rare find. I appreciate that. Are we you getting? Noticed. Are we going to get the Sonics back anytime? I hope so. I think so. You know, honestly, I think we're less than five years out from expansion. I think the league will add two teams. I think it's uh, there are cities that are ready. Seattle being primarily one of them, and then I think you also have uh, the talent level in the league is at a point where it can support it. And if we're going to go back to the uh, high schoolers coming in, it's going to be even more full of talent. So, so I think we're at a point where we're going to see expansion here within the next five years. Okay. I want to get your take. I know like we've talked about in bead, but uh, he is starting to put back to back dominating performances. I know people are putting him in the MVP conversation at the quarter pole of the season, but I want to ask you, if you think this is sustainable for him. Yeah, I think it is. I, I think he made a very serious commitment to getting into shape. I, I haven't heard anybody ask, but I would be very curious uh, to see, and, and I'll ask if I ever get the opportunity, did getting swept last year really leave a bad taste in his mouth? It was he, like, this is not happening again. I'm not going out like that. I, I have to wonder if that was a motivating factor. And I think you're seeing now he can play deeper in the games. Like you said, he's bringing it on back-to-back nights. He looks good. The only thing that's going to derail him at this point, I think, is, is an injury. And that's always a question mark with him. But he's made it through seasons more or less over the last couple of years. So I'm not even as worried about that as I used to be. You know, one of the things with Embiid is the fact that he seems to have taken that big maturing step. Have you seen that from Tobias Harris, Ben Simmons, and, the you know, this team? Has this team taken that big step that sometimes there's that team that kind of gets knocked out, knocked out? We used to see it in the 90s a lot where you'd get knocked out by that team and you grew from it. We don't seem to see that as much anymore. The Sixers, though, feel like that. Yeah, they do. And that's a great point. I I think what we're seeing with them now is consistency across the board. The the effort is there every single game. Uh, They're coming with it. I think Tobias Harris, uh, consistency has always been the question mark for him. He's one of those guys who I said, yeah, a 20 point per game score, but it's 31 night and 10 the next. And then, you know, and then two games of, of, you know, 15 followed by a game of 25. You you just never really knew with him. He wasn't going to get you there every single night to 20 to 25 points and now he is and I think the rest of the additions around those guys Danny Green Dwight Howard uh, even Seth Curry he he hasn't been in the league for quite as long as Green or Howard but those guys are are allowing 
these the younger players are not allowing. They're showing them rather what it takes every single night to be there and compete for championships. And I think that's made a huge difference. And then of course Doc Rivers being there as well. It's now a coach that has that championship pedigree that can, you know, kind of flash that a little bit and say, Hey, I've been here, I've done this. You guys got to get on board because this is where we're going. Since you're really dialed into the Boston Celtics, what do you see differently between the two teams to separate them from one another? Or maybe the gap is closer than I think it is. Um, yeah, it's it's one of those things where I think a playoff series again would really tell us a lot more about these two teams because Philly beat them, I think, 3-1 last year in the regular season. And then the Celtics, you know, swept right through them and in it's it's the feeling of you know can you do it when it counts but i think the difference is Embiid clearly is the the single biggest difference he's such a monster there's just not you know very few teams have anything resembling an answer for him and then i think the other piece is um philly right now is getting more out of their second third fourth and fifth guys than than boston is boston gets a lot out of their top two every single night jason tatum and jalen brown and then it's kind of a wild card grab bag of who's going to step up beyond those two yeah i know uh this east you still have the big guys the bucks the brooklyn nets that's going to be interesting when we see philly and the nets play on saturday but one team that's not in the mix with all these boston's indiana's Miami Heat. And at what point do we say they ain't catching up? Yeah, I think we're there now. Now I'm really worried. They, they my, my thing with the Heat had been, I had been, let's let them get their guys back. Let's let them get healthy. Let's see where they're at. But now they're, you know, they're still only two and a half games out of uh, out of seven. They're only three games out of six. But but they're now four and a half games back of Indiana and Boston in the four or five matchup. And that's really hard to, to make up because the thing I think people are forgetting is, there's 10 less games this year that that's a big difference that that doesn't give you uh, ground to stumble at all. If you're Miami, where you put yourself in a hole, you've got to really get this thing turned around. And now they've got their guys back and they still don't look that good. So I'm wondering if they're one of those teams every year, there's a couple teams in each conference where kind of the wheels fall off. Everything goes sideways on them. I'm starting to wonder if that might be the heat is or one of those teams this season. Looking at the Bucs, they're in second place, but they're only 13 and eight. It's not really that crazy. What do you make of them right now? Yeah, I think there's, I think, a couple of things going on with the Bucs. Is one, I think they are realizing pushing very hard in the regular season hasn't gotten them anywhere the last two years. So, you know, well, why, why do you need to, you know, kill yourself to get the number one seed that that's, that's not going to be, be, you know, what you need to be. And then 13 and eight, it's actually, you know, that's pretty good. You know, that, that, you know, has them still one of the better teams in the league. So I think for Milwaukee, they're also figuring out how to play with only a nine man rotation. They've pretty much gone to nine guys every night and they're still sorting through, through that a little bit and figuring that out. And I think that's going to pay off for them big in the long run because less is more when you come to the playoffs you don't need 11 or 12 guys in a playoff series to win you need eight or nine guys you can really trust and have on the floor and I think Milwaukee's figuring that out and I think more minutes for their better players that's that's better for them when they get into the postseason right we've seen a team rip through regular seasons the last couple of years and then fall short in the playoffs and you wonder if hey look they got a lot bunch of guys they're learning but by the time they get to the playoffs it might be a different story for them yeah, exactly. And, and I, I keep saying with the box, it was last year, you know, their depth, 11 and 12 guys deep in the regular season when they played an average to bad team, 
they overwhelmed them and blew them out and wasn't even close. That's why they ran up those historical scoring differentials. But then you got in the playoffs, and their main guys, they played 25 to 30 minutes a night. So Mike Budenholzer said last year as they were falling apart against the Miami Heat, he couldn't step them up to 40 to 45 minutes because it was too big of a leap. Now this year they're playing that 35 minutes a night, and I think that's going to make a huge difference when we get into the postseason. Is there a team that doesn't pop really yet that you think has a good chance to maybe make some noise this year, whether it's the Hawks, the Cavaliers? We looked up Colin Sexton. He's averaging about 25 points per game. Is there a team in that six through nine range that that has the ability to maybe pop as the season continues? Yeah, I think um, Toronto is starting to come. I, I think we might see them, uh, you know, get, get into to this year. They're starting to figure it out, starting to play better, starting to get a little healthier, which matters. So I, I think you're going to see them, you know, make some noise before this is over. And then maybe have a team that's slightly above them. I do think the Hawks have a chance just because of the way they, they can really spread around the scoring duties. They can get everybody healthy. That's going to make a big difference. And I'll tell you, a guy who hasn't played for them all year who could be really key if they can get him on the court is Chris Dunn because I think he would make a huge difference giving them somebody on the wing in backcourt that can actually defend. I think that would be big. Then if they can get Bogdanovich back – now all of a sudden they're as deep as any team, and that can allow them to kind of pile up some of those regular season wins. Bulls, I want to believe I'm going to have to see more. You know, let's get into that second half with them in range before I want to fully buy in. Yeah, it's weird. We were looking at the Eastern Conference, and there's three teams in there that we haven't talked about in quite some times: Atlanta, Cleveland, and the Hornets. Uh, none of them are great. They're all 10 and 12 under 500 teams, but uh, it looks like you're going to have a little new blood in the Eastern Conference this year. Yeah, absolutely. And all and the interesting thing is Atlanta probably not as much because they did so much in the offseason, but Cleveland and Charlotte probably both have a move in them too if they, they want to make a trade to kind of bolster that roster, make make that push. And those are the kind of teams where you see that can make a difference for them. They're so young. A lot of those guys, especially on Cleveland, have never played in important games past, you know, Christmas in most seasons, they're they're basically out of it. So that's really important is to play those important games down the stretch. So I, I think you know kind of push a little little in and and maybe make a move. And and they've got that Andre Drummond contract, which is so big. And the nice thing for them is even if they trade him, they've got Jared Allen, who's their center of the future. So you could move Drummond for help this year, maybe a little bit more, and that's where you go. Battle of disappointments, uh Golden State and Dallas. I say disappointment. Golden State's a game over 500, but I think people thought, you know, they got Wiseman. They're going to be, you know, I know they lost Clay, uh, but people, oh, Curry's good enough to kind of carry that team. They'd be on the outside looking in. Dallas has been disappointing. New Orleans, too. Those three teams have been big disappointments out West. Yeah, absolutely. Dallas is one for me that that I'm really struggling with because I, I knew they might get off to a bit of a slow start because we knew Kristaps Porzingis wasn't going to play right away, but he came back fairly early and they just can't get it together. Now, they, they did have a bunch of guys out for COVID reasons and they were very key guys in their rotation too. A couple of starters, a couple guys who were their first guys off the bench. So I think, think we got to give them a little bit of time to kind of round back and form here. But their problem is they just don't play any defense. And if you're not going to play defense even somewhat consistently, then you better be a you know great offense like they were last year. Their offense has slid back a little bit uh, more to the pack and that's making all the difference for them. Warriors, they're about what I expected. I thought they'd be, you know, slightly above 500 towards the bottom of the conference. And then New Orleans, it's 
It's just the roster construction hasn't come together the way I think they hoped it would. Uh, Zion and Ingram are building blocks and guys to build around. And then the rest of those pieces they hoped would fit and lift those younger guys into playoff contention. And they haven't done that yet. I think they're a team that's going to make some moves here before we get to the deadline. Uh, Sixers, Portland tonight. A lot of Blazers are out for the game. You can hear that game on 97.3 ESPN, followed by Denver and the Lakers. We'll have that for you after Sixers in Portland. So plenty of NBA fix for you. We get our NBA fix with Yahoo Sports NBA writer Keith Smith here on the Boardwalk Honda Hotline. Follow him at Keith Smith NBA, and we will check in on the NBA with him next week right here on the Sports Pass. Thank you, pal. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Y'all stay safe. You and yours. And uh, he, like all guests, appeared via the Boardwalk Honda Hotline. Keith Smith, great job as always. Like that Sonics gear. So he's going Sonics, Patriots, Boston College. Yeah, he also, I wore that Thunder hat, and then he said that he had the Thunder shorts on. That's right. Yeah, so he's got everything. I wonder where's the Sixers gear. Maybe next time. Yeah, maybe an Embiid jersey or something. <laughs> I don't know, just spitball. Hey, when we come back, we got the five to wrap up the show. Don't forget, Josh, during game night tonight, he's got Ann Fitzsimmons and Jay Blevins will be joining him live from the Wells Fargo Center with an update on the Sixers and the Blazers. It's six up, up the show tonight. We got Sixers action tomorrow. Busy show. Sal Powell, Adam Kaplan, Colin Thompson. Happy hour Friday and Casey Joyner's breakdown of the game. Thoughts on that Flyers game last night? I thought the penalty with about two minutes left in the game was about as weak sauce as you can get. But other than that, look, the, the Flyers are not at full strength but I feel that they're a good team. They're right there. But the benchmark is Boston. Boston's beat them, what, three times this year? Yeah, but they fell apart. It's like they collapsed. It's like they can't – it's almost like the Sixers couldn't close out games against the Celtics in years past. It's like where the Flyers are right now. They can't close out that game. But when you don't have Sean Couturier – It's like me judging the Sixers without having Embiid and then saying the Flyers aren't good enough when they don't have Couturier. All right, well, here's a question. They need blue line help. Big time. Man. Oh, my God, big that time. That game last night, if anything, is they need they need blue line help. Man. For sure. All right, so question number two. It, it bleeds into that a little bit. We were talking earlier in the season about these back-to-back nights with these – not too much back-to-back nights, but you play the same team two times in a row with the hockey. Don't you think that now on Friday there's more juice to the game knowing what just happened against Boston last night? Like, I'm looking forward to Friday's game now because, like, how is this Flyers team going to bounce back from that emotional loss against the same team again? So do you see that being interesting? Like, does that now intrigue you more the way that the schedule set up or not so much? Yes and no. I mean, yes, because I, I agree with what you're saying, but the, I, I don't – I I don't love the fact that they're playing all these two-game back-to-backers. It's like – because it's like, okay, they beat you, you beat them. I get it. It's a, it's a different situation uh, because of the, of what happened in its boss. And then you play Washington in back-to-backs this weekend. So you got four games against two teams that are going to test you. But I still don't love the, the back-to-back settings. You? I, I, I'm more interested in it than I thought I would be. At first, I was with you, lots of splits and all. But it's not as bad as I thought in terms of that. And I like the storylines now. It, it adds a little bit more juice. Um, so when we have Keith Smith on, we were talking about maybe expanding the NBA. Seattle is a obviously a spot. Is there another city that you think would be cool? Like everyone always brings up Vegas. Do you think Vegas? I mean, first off, you'd have to make it all work in terms of how you're adding the teams and where they're located. 
for the Eastern Conference, Western Conference, and whatnot. But is there a city that you think would be cool other than Seattle? Yeah. Vancouver? They already had a team. I know they did. That's Didn't why I well. throw it out there again. But it's a hell of a city. I got Nashville. Nashville would be cool. They love their hockey. I got Tampa. Think a basketball team would do good in Tampa, though? No. <laughs> but I like to go down there on vacation, and it would be neat this to This isn't have... so much about the guild destination here. It's for the for the success of the, of the organization. Um, That's amazing. How about... I mean, nothing's like jumping, jumping out at me. Well, you would think if Seattle would, would be the Western Conference team, you'd have to add something over on the Eastern Conference, right, to make it even. Pittsburgh? Baltimore? Neither one of them have a team. I'm not against something like that. I think they have a passionate fan base to kind of – I think Baltimore would be cooler well, than you do like, yeah, Pittsburgh. You could do – like Pittsburgh doesn't care about basketball. No, no, definitely not. I Baltimore, think Baltimore though, would be cool. Yeah. That'd be a cool one. Uh, one other one, I guess, could be like uh, if you put a team in like uh, Buffalo, but that's like – nah. Yeah, I don't see that being a passionate – You were talking about an Eastern – yeah, no, I'm with you. Uh, Sixers tonight. Is there a chance they fall on their face thinking, we got this? No. So, no. E- easy and victory. This is why, like, them not playing a back-to-back with, like, Charlotte. Now they have another game against a different team. See if, like, their mind – because they got Brooklyn on su- Saturday. Let's hope they don't look ahead. Right, exactly. This game tonight against a really depleted uh, Portland team. Do they look ahead and look sloppy? Championship teams don't look sloppy tonight. That's fair. All right, and then this is just me making up an own number, but Joel Embiid, over under 33 points. Man, he's been over that number, it seems like, every night. I'm going to go under. Because it could be such a blowout that they sit him on the bench with 28. That wasn't what I was thinking. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, I mean, I, just, I don't know that he keeps pumping 30 up every single night. It's a different Embiid. Nashville. How about St. Louis for a basketball team? They got a passionate fan base. Yeah, that's all I got on that. Montreal. You know I'm all about the Canadian markets, baby. Sign me up. Ottawa. Ooh. All right, game night's up next. And Fitzsimmons at 620 tonight. And Jay Blevins. We're back tomorrow. It's been a great sports bash. Hopefully you enjoyed it.